Welcome back to Let's Get Haunted with your hosts, Nat Strawn and Allie. Welcome back, guys, to episode 101 of Let's Get Haunted. Oh my gosh, it's like 101 Dalmatians, but instead, 101 Let's Get Hauntings. That's right. And I have a doozy of a haunting for you today, Natalia. But first, you had texted me saying you have a personal haunting. You said there was some haunted shit you needed to tell me oh about. Oh my god. I wish I would have gotten this shit on video because I like just describing it, I realized is not going to like even do this story justice. So, my fiance is not there for this portion of the night. I think he's like off doing some bullshit that I was probably mad about. I can't even remember what it was. At the end of the day, there's a fuck ton of responsibilities for someone who has a baby and two dogs and lives in a house with no fucking yard. Fuck my life, right? Right. Means that I have to take the baby with me to go walk both of those stupid asshole dogs <laughs> so that they can do their stupid shits or whatever they have to do and go the fuck to sleep so we can all end this fucking day, right? Right. That's like the level you're at at the end of every day when you like have two dogs and a baby. I can't even imagine. I have two dogs and no baby. And if I were living somewhere with no yard, I would not want to be alive. Yeah, it's not a happy time. But I was trying to, you know, in my best way, be responsible and get that shit done so the fucking day could be over, right? Right. Put that bitch to bed too. <laughs> okay, so baby's strapped to my front and I've got both dogs and I'm walking down this pretty popular section of West Hollywood in LA. You do get like a lot of action there towards the end of the day in terms of like traffic. There's a lot of traffic and there's sometimes a lot of foot traffic, like people that are trying to take pictures. Also, there's like a kind of a club scene over there. So you do occasionally get like some people who are sort of like fucked up walking around, but just like partying. Nothing too like intense because it's literally 7 30 p.m so there's not gonna be anything too crazy or so i thought i'm stopped at a stoplight waiting to cross the street there's two random stranger dudes next to me and all of a sudden we hear screaming out like at the top of a lungs a female voice going help me what help me And obviously when you hear that, you're like on red alert, right? Right. So I'm looking around trying to find out where the noise is coming from. And I see the two guys that are next to me just looking catty corner, like across the street. And there's two girls over there. So I'm like looking at these two girls trying to figure out what's going on. And one of the girls is like really tall. Like she's like, you know, professional volleyball player tall. And she's got on black pleather thigh high boots and a black latex outfit. And the other girl has on like sort of like a similar vibey outfit. They're like in full makeup, eyelashes, hair is done, like curled, like teased and everything. So I'm thinking like, okay, these people must either be performers or they must be like girls going out to the club or something. And perhaps there's like some sort of assailant nearby that's like stalking them because this girl is still screaming, help me. And then the other girl, I'm going to call them the the short and the tall one because it's easier. The shorter one takes her purse like she has like a little baby purse that like Paris Hilton would carry in 2005 and she hits the tall girl in the face with the purse and she's like bitch you're my best friend fuck (laughs) you and so me and the two guys are like taking in this situation and I'm like am I seeing someone get physically assaulted or or is is this like two drunk friends that are working out something like working through something right and like we're all just sort of taking in the situation deciding if we need to get involved or just 
let the shit play out. You or know? honestly, like, is it a movie set? That would be right. like a question I have. And like, I don't want to step in and ruin a movie set through these two like done up girls that are. Right. Like, are they making a TikTok? Like, right. is this their profession? You know, that shit happens all the time. I literally see shit like that l- all the time. Yeah. Walking around this area. The girls start like stumbling across the crosswalk. The light has turned green and all the cars are like honking, like get the fuck out of the way. The shorter one is chasing the taller one. They cannot walk straight. And then on top of that, they're wearing like like stilettos, like not like normal heels. Like I'm talking about like pole dancing shoes. Right. Like, I, I can't walk in those. Like so big platforms. can't imagine being drunk. Yeah, like seven inch heels. The tall girl gets out her phone and the shorter girl get out their phone and they're just like, I love you, bitch. And she's like, no, I love you, bitch. And then the short girl grabs the tall girl's phone, throws it in the middle of the street and yells, fuck you. And I'm literally so confused. My crosswalk light turns on. And I, again, I've got a baby strapped to my chest and I have two dogs. So I'm like, you know what? These two guys are watching this situation. They've got it under control. At this point, these girls have attracted like somewhat of a crowd. Right. You so know? it's not like they're alone. And, right. Yeah. And so I feel feel like I can like just let them go and like someone else is going to deal with it because what the fuck am I going to do no, I have you've a got baby a, on my chest all of and your dogs. hands yeah so I walk and I like go towards this park and then all of a sudden I hear that help me help me but it's like close to me and I turn around and the tall girl is crawling towards me like I don't oh, know what? how she got this close but she's like crawling towards me screaming help me that sounds like a horror movie ring moment it was it was like so scary and then in the and so that's the foreground and then in the background her drunk the short friend is standing in the middle of traffic in the median trying to hit cars with her purse as they're going by her what so like picture like um a four-way street where like the two the two um lanes on the left are like oncoming the two lanes on the right cars yeah yeah with her purse yes and she's just standing in the middle drunk trying to hit cars at this point like someone's private security because it's near beverly hills so they don't fuck around with this right right someone's like private security like a -a rent-a-cop type thing drives by and is like taking in the situation and basically like looking like what the fuck and she's like literally right in front of me and she's like somebody help me so i'm like oh fuck like i have to do like i i have to confront this person crime in la has been fucking crazy lately so i don't know what's going on i'm on high alert and i'm in defense mode because there's a baby strapped to me so i tell her i'm like hey what do you need stay back don't come close to me my dogs will bite you and i'm like what's happening and she's like i just want to go home oh no she's just drunk i i don't know man and so then i'm talking to her and i'm like what's happened are you staying near here and she's like no, we're from Palmdale. How fucked up this person was, was like alarming to me, you know? So then I asked her, I'm like, where are you staying? You know, cause I was like gonna just call them an Uber and be like, what hotel are you staying at? Yeah. Like, I'll let me just like get you guys out of the situation. And she's like, we're not in a hotel. And then she's like, I love your dog. Oh my God, your dog's so cute. And starts walking towards my dog. No. And my dog looks like he's gonna fucking bite Fuck the shit. Yeah, like she's yeah. the scariest thing he's ever seen. She's like <laughs> six and a half feet tall like wearing like crazy like latex and like screaming you know yeah well and archer's a giant husky and knows that you have a baby like huskies are smart they're gonna 
protect their owner. And so then she's like, you know, saying like, oh, I want to go to Palmdale. And, my, and I'm like, okay, where's your phone? And she's like, it's dead. Because I was just going to take her phone and, and like look through her texts and figure out like where they are or, or like call someone. Call. Yeah. To like fix this. This is not my first time to save a drunk bitch, guys. Yeah. Like, I've done this shit before. There, there's nothing else I can do. You know, if you can't even tell me what like hotel you're staying at or whatever. And so then I thought about it and I was like, should I just fucking like get these people a hotel? And then I was like, you know what? No, I've done my due diligence. So I was like, okay, hey, I'm just letting you know this rent a cop right here is going to arrest you guys because you guys are being really loud right here. And this is like, this is Beverly Hills. These people don't fuck around. Right. So like, I'm like you, everything's fine. You and your friend aren't fighting. Like you're just having, you know, like a bad trip or like something's happened. Like, you know, it's not a big deal. I was like, all you need to do is just sit here in the park with your friend and just be still for like three hours. How about you guys just like lay here against this tree? Yeah. Look up at the stars, like enjoy, like this is a beautiful evening like trying to like sort of um basically without telling them exactly like if you don't fucking chill out you're gonna go to jail right because that's gonna make a bad trip worse if that's what the problem is yeah Yeah. and then you're gonna have to pay fines you're gonna have to do all kinds of shit so i i'm trying to tell her that and then as i'm telling her this the girl in the background that's in traffic like falls into traffic and like narrowly like gets (gasps) like misses getting hit by a car so at that point i'm like okay like this situation it's unsafe now yeah it's unsafe so i'm like fuck I'm like, just stay here. And I like turn around and I go to the run a cop and I'm like, hey, I think the girls are just really drunk and they're like from Palmdale. They're not from here. And I think like they one of them's phone is dead and they're just like panicking because they do, they like need to charge their phones or something. Like if you have like a portable charger, just set it up or whatever. And the guy's just like, <sighs> Like, I'm sure he responds to stuff like this all the time. I'm sure. As I'm, like, getting ready to go back to where I came from, I go back by that park, and I see the two girls are just, like, sitting on the bench, and there's a few cops, like, sitting there talking to them. They weren't, like, handcuffing them or anything. The girls were just sitting on a bench, like, looking really upset. So, yeah, I don't know what happened with them, but that was my personal haunting this week. That's pretty fucking haunted. I'm glad that your baby did not get attacked by this drunk girl. I don't think I I've ever had my best friend throw my phone and like hit me in the face and tell me no. like fuck you bitch you're my no. best friend no. <laughs> like, what was that dynamic if neither of them had the ability to call anyone if they really had nowhere to stay if they yeah. were really that drunk at 7 30 p.m like it was probably the best thing was to have I know you know someone with authority help them well I just felt bad because if I didn't have the baby strapped to my chest I would have been like hey girls follow me I would have taken them to like a nearby hotel I would have bought them a room or something I like you know like at a like a cheap place and been like just fucking stay in this room and don't drink water watch a movie you know yeah I feel like that's the start to so many missing women's cases so I feel like it's good to let the security guard guy know the thing that made me think that they weren't drunk that they were like fucked up or had been slipped something is like that their makeup and their hair was still all together and i feel like oh no when i'm fucked up i'm right yeah you you sweat that off like the hair crying yeah yeah Yeah, so that's what made me think there was something else involved like i don't know if they got like a bad dose of like some sort of drugs maybe they took some like ecstasy that was like it had fent in it yeah i don't know but it was like so weird how also that really tall girl like teleported 
from like the other side of the median to like right at my feet. And I, t- I tell you, Alyssa, I literally was like, if you come anywhere near me, my dog will bite you. And I even told her, I was like, I have a baby and I have two dogs with me. I do not feel safe right now. So do not come near me. Right. Mama bear mode. Right. I know. I feel like you did the right thing because like you said, if they were drugged, what are you going to do? Like if you get them a hotel room and they were drugged, right. they, then they just die in their hotel room. That's true. I you forgot know? about that. Yeah. So especially, there's a huge fentanyl problem throughout the U.S. right now. If people aren't following the news, like I think six people died in Florida oh a couple weeks ago because they were doing cocaine at a hotel in Miami and it was cut with fent and they all died. Oh, no. And there's stories like that happening all over the place right now. So you never know. Cocaine, recreational cocaine is really popular in L.A., especially in that area, like yeah. Hollywood, Beverly Hills. Right. So maybe they were just trying to have some fun and got a bad batch. Someone needed to deal with it that was more qualified than you. So I think you did the right thing. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. You protected your baby. You protected <laughs> yourself and you protected those girls. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I didn't know if I did the right thing. Do you have any personal hauntings? I do, but I it's actually kind of similar to the one you just told me. What? So I'm going to tell you next episode because I feel like it's it would be too much for one intro. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Well, I would love to shout out our donors for this episode. Elena B, Haley T, Anna and Nate, Alyssa S, Casilda from Australia, Garrett G, Anna L, Kinsley M, James H, Rachel V, Brenna M, Kara H, Kara H, Hannah M, Samantha P, Kenneth W, Karina B, and Krista D. And I would like to give a very special shout out to Haley T, who said congratulations on 100 episodes, and she sent us $100. That oh, is very, very nice you. of you, Haley. Thank oh, you so much. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I want to shout out Amanda S, Brielle S, Kayla P, who I wanted to give a special shout out, sent us $66.69. Oh, fuck Thank yeah. you very, very much. Really appreciate that. Also, Georgia L and Reese, Cat B, Wheezy S, Mason H, and Minnie W. Thank you guys very much. We really appreciate that. If you want to donate to the show, go to our website, www.letsgethaunted.com. There is a donation link there, or you can give us a Ko-fi. There's also a link to our Ko-fi account. Choices are limitless. Yeah, but they are limited. It's either Ko-fi... <laughs> It's either our website, letsgethaunted.com, or our Kofi, which is linked in the description of this episode, or Venmo at Natstron or at DogMomUSA. And if for some reason you have donated and haven't heard your name shouted out yet, please let us know. You can DM me on Instagram at Let's Get Haunted and I'll go through and look because I thought I saw someone say that they didn't get shouted out, but I'm not positive. So go ahead and just bother us on Instagram yeah. so that we can make sure to shout you out. Yeah, we also do these episodes now sometimes like a couple episodes ahead of time. So mm-hmm. it might be that we just haven't gotten to your donation yet. But that's very true. If something feels off to you, you know, if you Call see something, out. say something. That's right. right? Yeah, that's the... <laughs> The, the national terrorist hotline uh, slogan, see something, say something. Let us know if you feel like your donation has been skipped because yes. it's not our intention. No. I'm right. ready to buckle the fuck up and hear this story. All right. Let's fucking do it. Okay. Let's go. Okay. 
Today's story takes place in the village of Enfield in the U.S. state of Illinois. Enfield is an extremely small town located about five hours south of Chicago and takes up a total area of only 1.19 square miles with a population of just under 600 people. So this is like a minuscule right, little I'm, dot on the map. I'm trying to think like there's like farms that are bigger than that, right? Yeah, probably. According to Wikipedia, the racial makeup of this village is around 98.5% white and the remaining 1.5% is comprised of the following races in descending order. Native American, mixed race, Hispanic or Latino, Asian, and African American. So this is like basically all white community? This is is a very homogenous, but it only has 600 people, like less than 600 people in it. So it's just a super small, like middle of buttfuck nowhere town. Right. Okay. Makes sense. According to the 2000 United States Census, in the year 2000, Enfield had just under 262 households living within its borders. And the entire area of Enfield is made up completely of land and there are no natural bodies of water in the village. So I looked at Enfield on Google Maps and can confirm it is incredibly small. In fact, the only marked buildings by Google are the following. So you know how like you look up a city and it'll have like notable landmarks and stuff and they'll be like marked and you can see them kind of highlighted. What are their notable landmarks? The Enfield One Stop, which is a convenience store and gas station. Oh, hell yeah. Billy Bob and Nina's, which is a restaurant, Booth Elementary School, and the Enfield Village Cemetery. The cemetery is one of their notable places? Well, that's all there is. That's literally all there is. There was like someone had started an LLC where they like upcycle antiques and that was, there was nothing else. Haunted. In fact, the town is so small that when you look it up on Google, the preview photo of the town is just some picture of some birds living in a coop in a man's backyard. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? The town picture. The t- Like, okay, you know, you go to Google Maps and you type in like Los Angeles, California. And what pops up. It's like the Hollywood sign. It'll have a preview of like right. photos that people have like taken. Like Santa Monica Pier, like stuff. Right. This the- is some guy's chickens in his backyard. Yes. Wow, those chickens are famous. I know. Actually, I don't know if they were chickens or not. They didn't, they were looked too fluffy to be chickens, but maybe they were a special kind of chicken, but they were living in a chicken coop. Yeah. Maybe these chickens were actually really important. Yeah. You never know. But that's, that's the main (laughs) photo for the preview of their town. I kind of like that. And some guy took it in like 2021. So last year and uploaded it. Wow. It just, cause it'll show you. So I think it's the guy that owns those chickens was probably like, there's no photos for my town. Let me. Oh, that's incredible. Now, the only other photo featured on Google in Enfield was a picture of a water tower with a mule painted on it with the words MULE DAYS written in all caps. So I looked up. You might be asking yourself. That sounds what exciting. Are mule days? Yeah, what, yeah are mule what are days? MULE DAYS? So I looked it up because I was curious. Is and it I, the mascot of the high school? I do not know. There's only one school there, though, and it was an elementary school. So I think if you're in high school, you have to travel to like the surrounding Right. So I found the website for the Villa- the Villagers Voice, which is a newsletter for Enfield residents. And according to a 2015 article by Edward Oliver entitled Mule Days in Enfield, this is how Mule Days is explained. Quote, you know, it is approaching the time for Mule Day when the red flags with black mules on them start showing up around Enfield. What? Mule Day started in 1921. Millage C. Miller, an Enfield merchant and the mayor of Enfield, is credited with originating Mule Days. 
Mule Days is one of the oldest continuous festivals in southern Illinois. It began as a picnic for the community in conjunction with an auction of mules held in the fall. Mule owners appeared to have been attracted to Enfield because of local breeders who raised superior quality mules. I can remember seeing a field full of mules back in the 1950s each time I went east from the Enfield intersection toward Carmi. Some of the <laughs> That's so specific. Some of those mules were bought in Missouri and brought to the Enfield area to sell to local farmers. My maternal grandfather had mules on his farm south of Norris City. I have some pictures of some of his teams of mules in my collection. I drove a team of mules in a reenactment wagon train in 1989. The mule... What? Sorry, this article. Reenacting what? The mule on the right would go straight ahead. The one on the left kept trying to turn left when I wanted to go straight ahead. I guess incidents like this is what caused the term, quote, stubborn as a mule to be used. Enfield has a parade at Mule Days since 1921. <laughs> at times, they have had special Illinois license plates that could be displayed on automobiles for 60 days before Mule Days. Of course, in the beginning, Mule Days' big event was the judging of mules entered in a contest. <laughs> keep going. No, keep going. Don't stop. Now, Mule Days is a time for the local residents former residents and visitors to come to Enfield on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, leading up to the weekend of the first Saturday in October to have a good time, watch the parade, and just visit with old friends. There are different events in the evening, gospel singing, the Mule Day Queen contest, <laughs> princess and prince contest, little tot contest, a pet parade, cakewalk, kids games, a street band, a two-mile run, bingo every night, and several times on Saturday, as well as carnival rides and vendors with all the normal foods that go along with a carnival. Everyone comes to Mule Days to eat, eat, and ride with five exclamation points. Congratulations to Enfield. Hopefully for another <laughs> successful Mule Days in 2015. Hopefully there will be mules in the parade this time. If anyone, what? If, Why would there not be mules in the Mule Day Parade? If anyone has any information or pictures to share with the readers of these articles, please contact me at Edward Oliver, P.O. Box 456 North City, Illinois, telephone 618-378-3176, or email me directly at edoliver2 at yahoo.com. Okay. First of all, iconic. Yeah, no. First of all, iconic, obviously. But like, I can't, I get like the, like, I don't know why that was suspicious to me. Like that, the that, whole really? article just felt like it was trying to like draw you in so they could like fucking eat you or something. No, Natalia, this is like very clearly a sweet old grandfather. They don't exist. Like, I've only seen that character in horror movies. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cause it's the middle of nowhere. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I feel like the vibe I got from this was like someone's grandfather or grandmother blogging yeah but for the newspaper right like that is because they're so small they just yeah. like their newspaper is a collection of blogs yeah no i i mean i really felt like it was a trick like that's <laughs> i don't know maybe i've just lived in this city too long and i just feel like anyone who has is nice like can't possibly have genuine intentions and that came off as very like nice and genuine which was seems suspicious to me well, let's <laughs> let's hope that this is not the case. Also, this is a fucking haunted podcast. So You're I'm right. like, oh, I'm yeah. like, what the fuck are they going to do during meal days? No, I just wanted to read that to you because I was reading it and I thought it was like cute mm. and hilarious. Mm -hmm. It's just like that's their newspaper. That's but that's the vibe of this town. And I feel like it's important 
to understand the context of the story I'm going to tell you, you need to understand a little bit about the town. And I read that article and I was like, it's small town USA. Yeah. And so I thought it would be a perfect microcosm of this town. Totally. Small town USA. Like a, like if you like score a touchdown, you're a celebrity there. Like you can be the mule day queen and ride a mule in the mule parade that sometimes doesn't have mules. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So you might be asking yourself, why do we care about this little tiny town in the middle of nowhere in Illinois where the most notable landmark is a chicken coop in a man's backyard and the only event is a parade that may or may not have a mule in it? Yeah, why? Well, in 1973, Enfield, Illinois was the epicenter of one of the most famous American cryptids known simply as the Enfield Horror. What? No. Oh, wait, is this spelled E-I-N? No. Oh. The E-I-N is Einfield, and that's in London, and that was a ghost haunting, like a super famous ghost haunting. Oh, okay. This is the Enfield. What? Have you ever heard of this, Natalia? No. Enfield? Yes. No. But thank you for pointing out that there is a similar situation that's similarly spelled that happened in London, because maybe someday we'll cover that. So you've never heard of it, right? No. Okay. Have not. Well, buckle up, because we're about to embark on a journey to explain the horrific cryptid that wreaked havoc on the small village of Enfield. As with most of these stories, facts are changed depending on which version of the tale you believe to be true. But below is the best account I can come up with based on all the newspaper scraps and interviews that I read. So if you have heard this story before and the tale that you heard is a little bit different. It's wrong. (laughs) No, it could be right. But I just picked like all of the best parts of all the stories because there's tons of conflicting information out there, which makes sense because this is a super small town. And I'm sure rumors get into the newspaper more often than facts. Yeah. Right. On the night of April 25th, 1973. A single father of two named Henry McDaniel was just returning to his small home in Enfield after a long day's work followed by a work meeting. McDaniel worked as an antique dealer in town and was widowed following the death of his wife, leaving him to care for their two children alone. This meant that since McDaniel was the sole breadwinner of the family, his two kids were often left alone late until he returned home from work. On this particular night, it was about 10 p.m. when McDaniel parked his car in front of his home. As he looked up at his modest dwelling, he thought it was unusual that all the lights were on in the windows. By this time of night, the children would normally be in bed. McDaniel got out of his pickup truck and walked up to the front door. But as he opened it, he was immediately greeted by the startled cries of his two children. They told him that while he was out, someone had tried to break into their home. First, they reported that they had heard eerie, slow scratches down the front of the door. As if someone was running their long nails along it, 
hard over and over in an intimidating fashion. Luckily, the front door was always locked when McDaniel was gone. So the creature or person or whatever it was, unable to get inside, had eventually stopped scratching and the children could hear the sound of strange limping footsteps circling around the house. No. Then, an air conditioning unit affixed to a window started rattling on the windowsill. Oh my god. The unit rocked back and forth with force. (gasps) Like it was trying to pull it out so it could go in the window? As if someone was trying to rip it from the wall and then crawl inside through that opening. Terrified, the children had both clung to the air conditioner, attempting to hold it in place. Eventually, when whoever was outside could not gain entry, the shaking stopped. The children could again hear the strange patter of footsteps going around the back of the house. It was at this point that McDaniel had come home and, after closing the front door behind him, had encountered his crying children who relayed to him the terrifying tale. Equally angry and confused at the thought of someone trying to harm his family, McDaniel went to find his pistol. He hadn't seen anything at the front of the home when he parked, so he figured he would take a flashlight and his gun and walk a full circle around the house. Just as he found his old 22, he himself began to hear the same long, slow, deep scratching noises his children had described to him. Get in your rooms, he yelled to the terrified youngsters, and he flung the front door open. To his surprise, what was standing in front of him was not a person, but a thing. (gasps) The creature was human-like, but not quite human. It was ugly and unsettling. It seemed to be half crawling, half walking up towards the front porch where McDaniel stood. Momentarily stunned by what he was seeing, McDaniel snapped himself out of his stupor when he realized that the creature was looking past him through the door, a clear indication to him that it was about to make a run for it to get inside. Right. McDaniel fired his pistol. Okay, thank God. He heard the characteristic slapping thud sound that a bullet makes when it connects with its victim's flesh. The creature took a few steps backward, but did not fall. (gasps) No, unload the whole clip in that bitch. Don't wait. It made a crazed hissing sound. No, no, no. And a loud scream. Similar to that of a bobcat or mountain lion. and turned to run into the brush of a forested area near the McDaniel residence. It made long, awkward, bouncing strides past a nearby railway embankment, covering 50 feet in just three jumps. It's a cricket man? (laughs) (laughs) McDaniel fired four more rounds after the creature. But it was so dark in the distance that he wasn't sure if any of those shots actually hit the thing or not. 
Once the creature was out of sight, McDaniel immediately went back inside and phoned the police from the family landline. When the state police made it out to the McDaniel home around 40 minutes later, they were too late to see the animal itself. However, they did find tracks in the soft earth around the house. The tracks were described as being wolf-like, except that they showed six toe pads instead of four. Finding McDaniel's story to be far-fetched, they grilled him at length about what he had seen. Was he sure it wasn't a dog? What about some escaped exotic animal? Maybe a kangaroo? But McDaniel was steadfast in his story. He knew what he had seen, and it wasn't a dog, it wasn't a wolf, a bear, or even a kangaroo. It was, in his opinion, something otherworldly. The following day, news of the police call spread around Enfield and the surrounding towns like wildfire. Soon, McDaniel found a reporter knocking on his door, asking about the incident. Natalia, I'd like you to read this article published to the Mount Vernon Register News written by Dennis Montgomery about this incident. I want to read it. I'm also Googling six-toed animals because I'm like hooked here. What kind of humanoid has six toes? uh, That's the question, right? Right. What kind of creature in general has six toes? I don't know. Okay, so this is a newspaper clipping that says, Three legs, pink eyes as big as flashlights, a monster at Enfield by Dennis Montgomery, Associated Press Writer. Enfield, Illinois. Henry McDaniel said he shot and wounded a monster on his doorstep and is worried it may come back to get even. McDaniel, 50, said he had just returned from a meeting Wednesday night when he heard something scratching on his door. It had three legs on it, he said, a short body, two little short arms, and two pink eyes as big as flashlights. It stood four and a half to five feet tall and was grayish colored. I was trying to get in the house, he said. McDaniel, an antique dealer, said he slammed the door and grabbed a pistol and a flashlight from the drawer in his bedroom and returned to the front door, opened it, and spotting the monster about 12 feet from the house, he fired four shots. When I fired that first shot, I know I hit it. He said, the creature gave out a hiss, much like a wildcat's, judging from his imitation of the sound. Covering 50 feet and three jumps, it fled through some brush along a railroad embankment that runs near the McDaniel home. State police, summoned by the frightened McDaniel, arrived too late to spot the creature, but discovered its tracks in the soft earth about the home. McDaniel said the track was like a dog's, except that it had six toe pads. One of the troopers, James Masser said McDaniel appeared rational and sober. McDaniel said he was sure it wasn't a dog and was positive it wasn't a kangaroo because he said he once had a pet kangaroo while serving with the army in Australia. We're going to circle back to that later. (laughs) Asked how he was able to note so many details of the creature in such a short space of time and in the dark, McDaniel said, I have a photostatic memory. And then he recalled the creature's body was almost like a human body. He said that some school children told him they had seen a similar creature at the school ballpark. If they do find it, they will find more than one, and they won't be from this planet. 
I can tell you that, McDaniel said. Enfield is about 10 miles west of Carmi, White County, in southeastern Illinois. Okay, lots of things we need to talk yes, about thank there. thank you for reading that. So what what do you think so far about this story? Um, That story started off like pretty like out there and just ended in complete like I'm just complete shambles first I thought it was um pretty crazy that he served in Australia and had a pet kangaroo and then I was like wait these kids saw the same creature at the ballpark and then he hit us with it there's gonna be more than that one of them and they're not from this planet it's he definitely did a great job grabbing your attention right he is like escalated that situation a lot which I fuck with you know okay well let me show you some pictures because I you know you read that description of the creature and it sounds unlike anything we've ever talked about on the show before yeah it it doesn't sound like a human like that's what he said it looked human but it had six toe pads like a dog that's no sir I don't know if you've (laughs) seen human feet before but that is incorrect so let me show you these pictures because I he says it's like human like but not a human. And who the fuck knows what that means? Is it like a werewolf? That's a good question. I'm not sure. Let me show you some artist renditions. And But first, before you describe these um, drawings, which I'm going to post to at Let's Get Haunted on Instagram, I want you to look at the only picture we have of the McDaniel house. It was taken by a reporter, and it shows this air conditioning unit. Mm. So let me turn my laptop to you. Okay. Yeah, I know this air conditioning unit very well. This is like the the broke person's air conditioning. I've had many of these. Yes. It's like that little box that you just open up a window and put it through and it has to like face outside so it can take like the toxic like mixture it makes and like exhaust it outside. Otherwise, you'll die. Right. Um, And they're like always dripping and shit and like shaking and like rumbling. But boy, do they fucking feel great. They like blow they, cold They cool down out. a room. Yeah. Right. So it's one of those. And this house is like, yeah, this is a small house. Just I'm only seeing a corner of it, but I can tell that this is a small, modest house because I can see part of the house is supported by cinder blocks. Like it's probably hella old and it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And like if I know anything, it's like scary monsters don't come and bother the people who live in the 10 bedroom mansion. Very good point. They bother the people who live in like the little shack out in the middle of nowhere that are like, you know, Courage the Cowardly Dog's parents, like those old people like watching TV. Right. Because they know somehow the creatures know. Right. That those types of homes normally don't have security security yeah Yeah. or like cameras or anything right yeah okay so now do you want to look at these two artist renditions no this is scary i don't want to look at this this is horrifying okay these photos i'm oh my god it's horrifying these photos that i'm looking at guys they're really scary like imagine yourself in mcdaniel's shoes standing on his front porch with a gun trying to protect his two small children his wife has already died he doesn't want to lose his children too and that thing that you're looking at a drawing of right now is just staring back at you okay i'm gonna do my best to describe this imagine a cricket all right we're talking like jiminy cricket if you don't have crickets that go in your house like picture the thing jiminy cricket from pinocchio and then um it's got two like little T-Rex arms and it's got like really big eyes and it, it literally it looks like a cricket but for some reason it has like four legs three no legs. three legs it has three legs so it's got two legs and then the back leg is like a tripod 
leg. Yeah, it's it's a tripod. Exactly. Yeah, and it's got... Uh, oh, my God. It's just fucked up looking, guys. It's literally a cricket. Like, I don't know. It's like a giant five-foot monstrosity of a cricket mixed with Geodude from, yes. like, a po- like, the Pokemon. And also, like, Tasmanian Devil. Yes. But it looks very crickety to me because it looks like exoskeleton. Like... Oh, interesting. Like, it kind of looks like a hard shell that would I could be on see a cricket. That. But then the other artist rendition shows it kind of fuzzy like Tasmanian Devil, so I don't know. Well, you guys can look at these pictures yourselves at, at Let's Get Haunted on Instagram and leave a comment saying how you would describe it. But the point of the story is, like, this is terrifying, right? right. It's unlike anything I've ever heard of before. Yeah. No, I don't like that. No, absolutely not. Okay. As journalists and investigators canvassed the area looking for others who had seen the creature, they came upon a second witness. This witness was a 10-year-old boy named Greg Garrett, who lived in a home directly behind McDaniel. He reported that about 30 minutes before the creature had made its way to McDaniel's house, he had been playing in his yard when the creature ran up to him, knocking him on his back and stepping on his feet as he ran past. The boy showed a torn tennis shoe to an investigator as proof of the strange encounter. So it didn't want to eat the person because it's just like ran him over. Also, I'm going to let it slide that he has a stupid name that's like, <laughs> what was it? It was like Garrett Henry Todd or something. It was it just was a bunch of first names. Greg Garrett. Yeah. No. Yeah. I have two first names. How? Alyssa. Not a name. Yeah, it is. No, you're wrong. All right. All right. Can't argue with that. Whose name is. That's a name. People always. It's fucking annoying. I'll be at like the doctor's office for a new doctor Mm. and they don't realize like that. My first name is Alyssa and they'll be like, like, no, that's not my name. My name's Alyssa. I had someone text me the other day being like, um, hi, is this. And I was like, no, wrong number, because I fucking hate when people get my name wrong. Like, just you don't know me if you're calling me that. So why are you texting me? Wow, ruthless. And also, you're lucky I didn't ever put that together. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Two weeks later, on May 6th, state police received another call from Henry McDaniel. According to McDaniel, in the early morning hours of May 6th, around 3 (gasps) a.m., which is the witching hour, Mm -hmm. as we all know. He was awoken in the middle of the night by a cacophony of howls and snarls being made by all of the neighborhood dogs. Wiping sleep from his bleary eyes, he stumbled out of bed, again grabbing the pistol, and made his way to a window near his front door. Pulling the curtains aside, he looked out. There, in the distance, illuminated by the glow of the moon, he saw it. The creature was there, standing motionless, staring straight at McDaniel through the window. He came back for revenge? He came back. According to the police report, McDaniel was quoted as saying, quote, I didn't shoot at it or anything. It just stared and then started on down the railroad track. It wasn't in a hurry or anything. Again, this report made its way through the local town's rumor mill, spreading once more to nearby towns and resulting in even more newspaper articles. The publicity from the second sighting soon brought curious monster hunters to the tiny town. Being normally a very sleepy village, the local sheriff was extremely displeased with the negative press and influx of outsiders. 
According to McDaniel himself, White County Sheriff Roy Poshard Jr. even went so far as to threaten Infield with jail time if he didn't stop, quote, making up stories and retract the strange reports. Okay, well, that makes it seem like it's even more true. Right, exactly, because the the sheriff is just like, this is fucking bullshit. I don't want to deal with this. The like, sheriff's in on it, clearly. You think so? Yeah. Maybe the sheriff is the infield Right, creature. maybe he raises them. I don't know. Maybe we just don't know yet. He had sex with a mule for mule days. Look, who's to say? Yeah. Who's to say? McDaniel refused, and the floodgates opened, as, according to local newsletter The Villager's Voice published, quote, hordes of curiosity seekers, reporters, and researchers descended on the town. Among these thrill-seeking out-of-towners were five young men who drove into Enfield in search of the monster. As they traversed the brush and railway tracks near the McDaniels' home, suddenly one of the young men yelled out to his friend. His finger extended towards something standing on the train tracks in the distance. It was the creature. It's back again? It's back again. It's like trying to be famous. It's... It's... It has a mission, right? It seems right. To, it either has if you believe it's intelligent, then it clearly has a mission. If you believe it's not intelligent, then maybe it's like nest is over there or it's right. like home is over there. Carrying guns, the young men immediately opened fire on the entity, but it ran out of sight unscathed. Meanwhile, the police received several reports about hearing gunfire near homes. When Deputy Sheriff Jim Clark arrived on scene, he found the five young men and determined that they were just drunk. He arrested <laughs> them on, quote, threats to public safety and hunting violations. During questioning at the station, they reported that they had been trying to shoot, quote, a gray, hairy thing that they had seen in some underbrush. Two of the men thought they had hit it, but it sped off, moving faster than any man could. This story traveled across state lines until it was heard by Rick Rainbow, a radio station news director of WWKI from Kokomo, Indiana. For a radio segment, he and three other investigators decided to travel to the McDaniel home in Enfield in search of the beast. According to an article published to the Villager's Voice, Rainbow and his crew, quote, spotted the monster near an abandoned house just a short distance from McDaniel's place. They didn't get much of a look at it as it was running away from them, but they later described it as about five feet tall, gray, and stooped over. Mm. Rainbow did manage to tape record its cry. The wailing was also heard by eminent researcher Lauren Coleman, who also came to try and track down the creature. He also heard the sound while searching an area near the McDaniels' home. A short time later, the sightings ended as abruptly as they had begun. No explanation was ever given as to what this bizarre monster may have been, where it came from, or where it disappeared to. Well, the deputy like put it back in his cage or whatever. The deputy was like, this is too much... Like I'm, they're on to me. Or the sheriff or whatever yeah, that guy. Gotta put it gotta gotta put it back in my basement. Yeah. And that is the story of the infield horror. What? That was crazy. Wait, do we get to hear the cry? Also that guy's name's Rainbow? Rick okay, how fucking hilarious is that? A TV radio personality named Rick Rainbow. And That's he's like, just like, I'm gonna go 
look for this monster and like film or record a radio segment. I like that. I love that. Yeah. I would do that too. Any excuse. If I can like expense something. Right. I'm going to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he never released the recording as far as I can tell, or maybe he did and just nobody preserved that recording, but apparently he shared it with other paranormal investigators Mm -hmm. and people have confirmed that they've heard it, Mm. but it's not released to the public. I don't know why. Seems weird to me. Maybe just nobody thought anyone would be interested, but look, I'm interested. Yeah. So Rick Rainbow, you're probably dead by now, but if there's anyone who like knows of Rick Rainbow or is related to him, hit me up and let me know if you have the recording. Yeah. Because this happened in 1973 and I'm assuming Rick Rainbow would be like 40 in 1973 because he's like a radio host. Right. So I'm assuming. He's like 90 now. Well, McDaniel is is dead. He died. I don't remember if it was 2012 or 2021. I don't know if my mind is flipping the numbers or not. But it was, I mean, fairly recent, but... I'm assuming everyone from this story is long gone. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for the theories, Natalia? I'm super ready. What I mean, what are the theories? Yeah, tell me. Theory number one, social contagion. Natalia, have you ever heard of the term social contagion before? No. Is that like a hoax? What is that? So a study specifically examining the infield monster was published in the January 1978 edition of the Sociological Quarterly. So this is like a legit publication that examines sociological um, themes or phenomenons or topics. And the article was written by David L. Miller, Kenneth J. Miatis, and Richard A. Mathers, and was the first scientific attempt to explain what happened in Enfield, Illinois in 1973. So I'm going to read you a couple of quotes from that study, Natalia, and then we can discuss. Yes. Quote, The social contagion image of behavior includes the assumption that under certain conditions, widespread masses of people rapidly and unanimously adopt patterns of behavior that are intense, unwitting, and non-rational. Under conditions of social contagion, people are alleged to be temporarily quite willing to accept and act upon unverified information, which is being transmitted outside institutionalized channels. This is like mass hysteria type? It's mass hysteria, basically. But it's like more scientific allegedly than that. Like it's a whole field of study. And uh, this is kind of funny. I didn't write this down. I I have more to read. But as an aside, the first account of social contagion that was like studied and published was something called tulip hysteria. Have you ever heard of this? No. What did tulips do? Apparently in the, I think it was the Netherlands in like the 1600s, People just went fucking batshit for tulips and they just started buying tulips like crazy and people were like desperate, like frothing at the mouth to get their hands on tulips because they just thought they were so pretty. And because of that, it artificially drove up the value of tulips. And anyway, I guess it was like a social phenomenon that was studied as this type of this phenomenon known as social contagion. That actually makes sense because we're such herd animals that I do think that there's a part of our brain that's programmed to like seek acceptance Mm -hmm. so that we can like be a part of the tribe. And so I could see how if something like, you know, triggered that part of our brain, that's like why we like certain people who are popular 
that's like yeah why... everyone else likes this person so therefore right. i should yeah, yeah that's why we do stupid trends that look bad on ourselves because we want to like do what everyone else is doing everyone else is eating tide pods <laughs> it's my turn to shine <laughs> okay so here is another quote from that article the infield monster sightings evidenced classic features of social contagion a unverified and unusual sensory experiences b mobilization processes and C, mass preoccupations. As noted, the social contagion orientation has failed to theoretically and empirically differentiate these phenomena. These distinctions provide a basis for assessing people's differential involvement across the time frame of the event, how the event grows and recedes in scope, and the event's impact on institutionalized patterns of behavior. Um, and that's the end. It's just, they're basically, then they go into like some boring shit about like the people who came up with this term and then people who have opinions on this term and different sociologists who have studied it. And that's not relevant to our haunted ass podcast. I like love this term though. This is going to be my new go-to word. Social contagion. It's very, and it, I love it too, because it basically is, I mean, from my small brain, this is how I'm interpreting it. Something happens, like catches on like a contagion and people just fucking go go with it right. and then all it's of like a sudden a it disappears yeah you know it disappears as quickly as it came because it was never based in anything to begin with is right. what this theory says it was just a hype it was a craze it was, it was beanie babies it was yes. yeah beanie yeah. babies uh the tulip craze the dancing right. plague like all it happens so suddenly and so strongly and then people kind of just stop yeah and no one's sure why yeah yeah. Yeah. Like a sick burn. The next time you like are trying to hurt someone's feelings, like call one of their hobbies, like a social contagion. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's funny. Okay. So what do you think? What do you think of this theory? Um, I like it because it's given me a new insult. However, um, I do think it's kind of like a hater. Like it's skeptic, right? right. It's a skeptic theory, right? <laughs> They're it- sipping on some major hater aid. Definitely. Know? Okay, well, let's get into, because we're going to go from, like, most skeptic to least skeptic. Okay. Okay, theory number two. An animal mistaken for a monster. Escaped kangaroo. (laughs) What? So, an escaped kangaroo is one of the most popular theories among skeptics. Escaped kangaroo that has, like, an extra chromosome or something, because that thing did not look like your typical kangaroo. Right. It didn't look like any kangaroo I've ever seen. But let's let's hear this theory out. So, there were no nearby zoos, but the sheriff at the time believed that it could have been somebody's pet that escaped... And since since it's illegal to have kangaroos, um, maybe this could explain why no one came forward to be like, hey, that like thing that you saw was my kangaroo. Give like tell me where you saw it last. Right. Because why would you want to come forward and then be put in jail or like. Well, that kind of makes sense because I've seen videos of like kangaroos when it's mating season or something like the the male will wait outside of these houses in the outback and they it's just like people filming out of their windows and there's like a really buff kangaroo standing like 50 feet away just like squaring up with them i think i've talked about this on this podcast before but if i haven't um here we go so this is not that relevant but it also is okay so i read this thing and i saw this photo that went with it and it was of an adult kangaroo and you know how they're like super buff like they have like biceps and like pecs and shit 
that kangaroo was just like standing in a pond and it just like was like shoulders out and its head was out oh my god that's and so they scary. say that they go into ponds to like lure stuff in there and then they <gasps> drown it and like that's how like they uh that's like one of their tactics i'm sorry that is the scariest fucking creepiest thing i know like you're just on a hike and right. you turn and look and, and like, there's oh. a fucking kangaroo up to its shoulders just staring at you just yeah. daring you to, to go in the pond yeah so kangaroos that, are haunted i know in that sense like maybe that even though that is a skeptic theory it's also super scary that is very very scary and to go like kind of um to push this theory kangaroos in the dark could look like they like have three legs because the tails like exactly but, but also like no like if i saw a kangaroo at night i would know it was a fucking kangaroo i'd be like i think that was a kangaroo like that's really fucking out of place yeah, yeah. exactly yeah so um do they have six no and you would know kangaroo tracks right like it would be that really long foot oh i'm gonna get to that so kangaroos in the dark look like they have three legs this is like proponents of this theory i'm like yes. quoting them Looks look like they have three legs because they use their back tail as a leg. Yeah. Also, the creature was reported to have jumped 50 feet in three bounds and kangaroos can jump 40 feet horizontally in just one bound. And since this creature was reported to be between four and five feet and mm. kangaroos are generally much taller than that, people theorize that it's it could have been a one. baby kangaroo <gasps> oh, or even a wallaby. And that would explain why it jumped 50 feet in three bounds instead of like one bound, right? Well, that makes me so sad then that they tried to kill them. I know. Well, however, though, point against this theory, McDaniel said in that article that we read that he had seen kangaroos while serving in the military right. in Australia and even had a pet one. Right. And he claims he is quite familiar with kangaroo kangaroos and could not have mistaken this mo like a kangaroo for this monster. Right. And for what it's worth, kangaroos do have five toes and a back foot pad, which could explain the six marks in the footprints left behind by the creature. Mm. But at the same time, wouldn't somebody make that connection and be right. like, it's a kangaroo? I don't know. Yeah. I think the biggest point against it is that this guy, like, what are the odds that the one guy that had a pet kangaroo sees this creature and doesn't recognize it as a kangaroo? Maybe that right? kangaroo knew and he came to that guy. Because he was like, I thought we fucked. You know? Yeah, I thought, like, yeah, this I'm the kangaroo you had in Australia right. and I bounced across the ocean <laughs> to you and now you're fucking shooting at me, you bitch. <laughs> Maybe he and that kangaroo had beef from yeah. like many years ago. And so he's like, I got to call the cops because I, I shot at it, right? And so right. my neighbors are about to report that they heard gunshots and I need a story. Yeah. But I don't want to say I shot at a kangaroo I have beef with. Right. So I'm going to say it was a three-legged monster. Yeah, they're going to think I'm crazy if I tell them about my beef with with the kangaroo so right exactly I need to go with this monster story instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mixes i mean who's to say right who's, who's to, to say? say okay so also within this theory some people think it was a bear or a bear with mange oh uh, why do they always do the bear with mange because bears with mange look fucking horrifying yeah we discussed this in our beast of bray road episode if you guys want to hear more about bears with mange you can go to that episode and give it a listen or you can go to our website let's get haunted.com and buy a sticker that's of a bear with mange wearing a space blanket that's right so okay points against this theory there are no bears in Illinois, according to Illinois.gov, so I don't know why this theory is even being explored. Well, there's no kangaroos there either. 
that's that's a good point okay right. fair point fair point <laughs> next part of this theory was wolf or wolf with mange and there are both coyotes and wolves in illinois so people say you know is it possible that mcdaniel just saw a wolf with mange and was so freaked out and like hyped up on adrenaline that he didn't realize it was a wolf with mange um, but points against this are that people who live in rural areas are very familiar with like the wildlife that lives near them. And he lived kind of near this wooded area. So I'm sure, especially as like a gun toting Midwestern man, right. I'm sure he'd gone hunting before, yeah. you know, like how do you not recognize that? But okay, let's say maybe he didn't recognize that. That still wouldn't explain why there were six toe pads found in the ground and a wolf only has four. Yeah. And also wolves don't grab your air conditioning unit great point yeah that's actually that's a super great valid point okay thank you for pointing that up i didn't write that down <laughs> you're so right okay all of that is bullshit then yes. a kangaroo's not well a kangaroo might i no, i think a kangaroo with could. its little t-rex arms like he described they pun like they punch yeah i've seen kangaroos box before yeah. like people put boxing gloves on them and they'll like box that's crazy and kangaroos can like fuck you up with their arms too yeah. I just remember seeing a video of that one Australian guy that gave zero fucks that face. punches it and like punches a kangaroo in the face to save his dog. And it was just quintessential Australian man. Yeah. Okay. Theory number three, an alien. Okay. In the 1970s, there were many UFO sightings in the Midwest, which we have talked about in so many of our episodes. Most recently, um, it comes to mind the episode on Indrid Cold, we talked about Midwestern UFO sightings. Right. Um, and Illinois had a ton of UFO sightings, just like a bunch of other states in the Midwest during this time. And because of this, some surmise that the infield horror could have been an alien of some type that was observing people in the Midwestern area and just happened to end up in infield for some reason. So for whatever reason, like we've talked about on this show before, UFOs love the Midwest. Right. Well, he probably was like, what's a mule? And so he yeah. had to go see. You know, maybe he just wanted to be a part of the mule queen crowning right. and was like, I want to be the mule queen this yeah. season. Yeah. And then everyone shot at him and he was like, well, that's the end of that. <laughs> Theory number four, an animal with a genetic mutation. Okay. So this theory is basically the same thing as the previous theory about an unknown animal. Mm -hmm. But in this theory, people say, well, the reason why it had six toes in like the prints on the ground is because it was a wolf or coyote that just happened to have some genetic mutation that gave it an extra toe. Yeah. Okay. But that still to me is a monster, you know? Yeah. It's And also... I do really feel like even if I saw a bear with mange or right. like a coyote with mange with six toes, it still looks like a coyote, right? Yeah. So yeah, it does. How would you not be able to recognize it? And again, um, coyotes, wolves, like animals don't pull the fucking air conditioning out of the window. I agree. Okay. Yeah. Debunked. Yes. Moving on. <laughs> Myth busted. Myth busted. <laughs> Theory number five. A dog man similar to the Beast of Bray Road in Wisconsin. Okay. Okay. So I'm not going to go into this theory super it's in depth. Self-explanatory. It's self-explanatory. <laughs> okay. Picture a dog man. You've congratulations. Right. Like that's what the story this. is. But if you want to hear some like firsthand accounts of people who saw the Beast of Bray Road, which is a dog man 
purported to have lived and roamed this particular area in Wisconsin, you can go just search Let's Get Haunted Beast of Bray Road and you'll find it immediately. Mm -hmm. But long story short, people who are super into cryptids think that there's a species of cryptids known as dogmen that look like humanoid half dog half men but are not werewolves a werewolf turns right. from a man into a werewolf yes where a dog man is, is, a, is just always, a dog man which makes sense because men are dogs boo yeah <laughs> i'm kidding sort of. but are there female dog men like they have to repopulate a bitch, right, right? <laughs> a bitch man <laughs> um no i don't know well maybe maybe that's not how they uh maybe it's like a virus and like you get bit by a dog man and then you turn into a dog man like, and then you just keep breeding dog men that's how they breed right look anything's possible it could be an alien that just mm-hmm. looks like a dog man but i actually have a video of a dog man sighting in the midwest oh that i want to show you and it is the scariest fucking shit okay. I've ever seen in my life. Show it. Okay. And if you guys want to watch this video, you can go to at Let's Get Haunted on Instagram and it will be there. Let me load this for you, Natalia. And hopefully it doesn't break my fucking computer. <laughs> my computer's a piece of shit. I'm fucking bent over and show y'all that the picture came from the, in the back of my fucking yard. That's like literally brought tears in my eyes. No, go back. Play it again. What was that? What? What is? No, no, no. It has to slow down. What? I don't understand what I'm looking at, guys, right now. Okay, so go look at this video because I literally can't even explain it. Basically, this guy is like, what the fuck did I just see? He opens up his back door and it's just like green grass. You know, it's a backyard with like a wooded area nearby probably like a hundred foot between his door and where the wooded area starts. And then out of nowhere, like literally out of thin air, this like weird ass fucking shadow thing. Like it doesn't even have a form, but you can tell it's like some creepy ass, like Baba Yaga looking shit. Like it's got really long chicken leg type thing. And it's like running across the frame. But I would never think that was a dog, man. I would know that was something haunted, but I don't see man or dog. I see fucked up shit. Like, I don't know what that is. Is that not the scariest shit you've ever seen in your life? Yeah, like, I don't know how that guy that's recording. First of all, it's an Instagram live. Yeah, that's what it looks like. It's like an Instagram live. It's an Instagram live. And they open up the door and they're like, you're like looking out into they zoom in on this area of their yard. You don't see anything for like 10 seconds and then out of nowhere, super fast, like a thing. I don't I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, see, I'm so interested that you're describing it as a chicken thing, because when I look at it, it looks like a fucking dog man to me. It does It looks like a buff 
like a buff werewolf just like running across the frame so fast in the dark it's so creepy it's yeah i see it's like got like a hunched back Mm -hmm. but it has really long legs and i was picturing like a man on all fours kind of like running at you and this thing is like walking on two legs yeah that's a good point and it's like really spindly legs to me like picture anubis if you guys are familiar with egyptian mythology picture anubis running really fucking fast in the dark oh my god that's so like coming to just take your soul to the underworld i don't remember what anubis did but just coming to do fucked up stuff yeah like (laughs) just take you oh no that was scary that was really scary right okay so nobody's quite sure or at least i wasn't able to find where that was filmed but in the comments it was posted to reddit somebody was screen recording a guy that was doing an instagram live and at the beginning of the instagram live i know it's kind of hard to hear him it sounds like he's saying like he's been talking about how he's been seeing this thing outside well, yeah, of his window. You can see the live comments and they're like, girl, do not go back there. Yeah, like, yeah. There's like a bunch of live comments that are like, oh, hell no. Like, do not, you know, like, don't open the door. Like, right. fuck that. And then, I, yeah, I don't really know what he's saying, but he's just basically like. He, he's trying to show he's like, it sounds like maybe he had taken a photo and showed it to his Instagram followers first and then did a live to explain the photo because he's going uh, let me show you where I took the photo. It was right fucking out here. It was right in my backyard. And he opens the door and he's like, look, this is my backyard. Like, I didn't fake the photo. You know, like, yeah. this is my backyard. It has grass. It has trees. And he starts zooming into the trees. And then all of a sudden, this thing yeah. just runs super fast in front of his camera, like, in the distance, though. And then he goes, <gasps> and, like, shuts the door really fast. Oh, my God. That was terrifying. Isn't that terrifying? Yeah. That was stressful as fuck. Like. So oh, people in the comments say that this happened in the Midwest and possibly in Illinois or Wisconsin where these dogmen have been seen. I can't verify that. I'm just, like, repeating what I saw. Oh but either God. way, fucking scary. So some people say, all right, there's too much evidence that dogmen exist. There's just too much. <laughs> so like too many people have reported seeing dogmen. There's too many photos of dogmen. Right. So we can't ignore the we facts. We can't guys. ignore dog we can't stop it. We can't keep ignoring dogmen. Right. Okay. Dog we've got to sure. We've got to address this issue head on or else the dogmen could be coming for you next. Oh my god. Okay. Clearly what do they want. Clearly this creature was like possibly trying to steal these children, <gasps> right? Because it the children were the only two home and it kept trying to get into the house. This just gave me the like shivers. I feel like I'm going to cry. That is so it's scary. So scary. Okay. So could the creature that McDaniel and his children saw and heard have been a dog man? And is it similar to the dog man that was seen in that video I just showed you? I feel like a dog man is such a misnomer because that was such a scary fucking thing. Like it was it, horrifying. Yeah, it was like that thing should have like a name in Latin or something. Yeah, you know? I think about it late at night and I'm just like, <sighs> it's coming for me. Oh, no. Oh, it's so scary. Okay. Fuck nature, man. I, thought <laughs> I was like, oh, I want to move out of the city. I want to have a yard. No, I'm done. Yeah, no more nature. No. Theory number six. Are you ready? It's going to get a little weirder. Oh, how? A swamp ape. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Wait, is that what it sounds like? Like a dog man is a dog man? This is like an ape that lives in the swamp? Yes. Okay. Do apes live in the swamps or do they live? I don't know enough about apes. I thought that they lived like in tropical forests. Okay. So I'm going to read you this article and then I'm going to show you a picture 
or not a picture, but a uh, drawing of what people think a swamp ape looks like. Okay. This theory comes from paranormal researchers Jerome Clark and Lauren Coleman, who we shouted out earlier in the episode where we said Lauren Coleman is one of the researchers that went to this location and heard the cry. Oh, right. She heard the, the scream. In an article for Fate magazine published in July 1974, so about 15 months after McDaniel's monster sighting, the duo writes the following. And shout out to Fate Magazine, because I feel like I'm constantly talking yeah. about Fate Magazine. No, Alyssa is single-handedly resurrecting Fate yeah, Magazine. Please sponsor us somehow, even though your magazine only costs like 25 cents. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yes. Quote. So this is the art this is part of the article with like the juicy parts. Right. In the summer of 1973. Murfreesboro in southwestern Illinois was the scene of a bizarre series of events involving a creature which appeared suddenly and disappeared just as suddenly two weeks later, leaving in its wake a number of baffled, frightened individuals who probably will never again feel completely at ease in the woods around their hometown. Okay. The creature was first seen shortly after midnight on June 25th, 1973. Randy Needham and Judy Johnson were parking on a boat ramp to the Big Muddy River near Murfreesboro about an hour and a half from Infield Hmm. when a cry, quote, about three times as loud as a bobcat, only deeper, sounded in the nearby woods. The two looked up to see a huge biped lumbering towards them, still shrieking, but now in altering tones. It was not a human sound. Randy and Judy agreed the thing was about seven feet tall, white, its short body hair matted with river mud. They were not interested in examining it at close range, and by the time it got within 20 feet of them, they were roaring away from the scene, bound for the Murfreesboro Police Station. Officers Merle Lindsay and Jimmy Nash checked the area and found, quote, impressions in the mud approximately 10 to 12 inches long and approximately 3 inches wide, according to a report they filed later. To a fate reporter, Needham later described the impressions as something like a man with a shoe on would make. He suggested the toe prints may not have registered in the mud. At 2 a.m., Nash, Lindsay, Needham, and Deputy Sheriff Bob Scott returned to the scene. This time, they discovered fresh tracks, similar in general appearance to those they had seen an hour earlier, but deeper and smaller. The police report reads, The prints in the mud were very erratic, in that no two were the same distance apart, and some were five or six feet apart. Also, we found prints that were very close together. Officer Lindsay left to get a camera to take a picture of the prints, and while he was gone, the other three followed the tracks. While they were bending over to examine some of them, there came, quote, the most incredible shriek I've ever heard, Nash recalled. Apparently, the creature was hidden in the trees <gasps> less than 100 yards away. Oh, my God. The trio did not stick around to find out. They beat a hasty retreat to the squad car. In the hours that followed, officers did scour the area in pursuit of an elusive splashing sound, but found nothing. When, di- when daylight came, things quieted down, but with darkness, the creature returned. 
The first to see it at this time was four-year-old Christian Barrel, who told his parents he had seen, quote, a big white ghost in the yard. No. They didn't believe him, but 10 minutes later, when Randy Creeth and Cheryl Ray saw something very much like that in a neighboring yard, parents and police reconsidered the youngster's words. About 10.30 p.m., Randy and Cheryl were sitting on the back porch of the Ray home when they heard something moving in the trees along the river just beyond the lawn. (sighs) They saw the creature standing in an opening in the trees, quietly watching them through glowing pink eyes. No. Cheryl insisted the eyes were glowing and not reflecting. There was no light source nearby. The creature was either the same one the other young couple had seen the night before or one similar to it. It was white and dirty, weighing close to 350 pounds, and stood seven feet tall with a large, round head. Cheryl thought its arms might be ape length, although she wasn't certain because it was standing in waist-high grass. Ah! Finally, the thing ambled off through the trees, making considerable noise. Later, investigators found a trail of crushed weeds and broken brush, as well as imprints in the ground too vague and imperfect to be cast in plaster. Cheryl's mother, Mrs. Harry Ray, called the police. While waiting for them to arrive, they suddenly began to smell a real strong odor, like a sewer, Cheryl said, but the odor only lasted a short period of time. What if somebody just farted and that's all it was? (laughs) Right. Like they're like, oh, this is such a strange part of our investigation. And the other guy's like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's so mysterious. (laughs) Soon, officers Nash and Ronald Monwarren pulled up in their car. What happened then is recounted in their report. Quote, Officers inspected the area when the creature was seen and found weeds broken down and somewhat of a path where something had just walked through. Jerry Nellis was notified to bring his dog to the area to see if the dog could track the creature. Upon arrival of Nellis and his dog, a German shepherd trained to attack, search buildings, and track, Fucking the, sick. the dog was led to the area where the creature was last seen. The dog began tracking down the hill where the creature was reported to have gone. As the dog started down the hill, it kept stopping and sniffing at a slimy substance (gasps) on the weeds. Come. The (laughs) slime. It's just a farting monster that's coming up. The The slime appeared periodically as the dog tracked the creature. Nellis put some of the slime between his fingers. Ew! Rubbed it and it left a black coloring on his fingers. Each time the dog found some more, it would hesitate. The creature was tracked down the hill to a pond, around the pond to a wooded area south of the pond, where the dog attempted to pull Nellis down a steep embankment. The area where the dog tracked the creature to was too thick and bushy to walk through, so the dog was pulled off the trail and returned to the car. Officers then searched the area with flashlights. Officer Nash, Nellis, and the dog then proceeded to the area directly south of where the dog was pulled off the tracks. The area was at the end of the first road to the west, past Westwood Hills turnoff. The area is approximately one half mile south of the area of the pond between 37 Westwood Lane. Nellis and the dog again began to search the area to see if the dog could again pick up the scent. Nellis and the dog approached the abandoned barn, and Nellis called to Officer Nash to come to the area as the dog would not enter the barn. 
Nellis pushed the dog inside and the dog immediately ran back out as if afraid of something. Nash and Nellis searched the barn and found nothing inside. Nellis stated that the dog was trained to search buildings and had never backed down from anything before. He was afraid? Nellis could offer no explanation as to why the dog became scared and would not go inside the (gasps) barn. Officers continued to search the area and were unable to locate the creature. The Murfreesboro creature was reported two more times. Once during an, an evening on July 4th, on a July 4th celebration in a city park near the river, carnival workers said that they had seen it watching the Shetland ponies. And on July 7th, Mrs. Nedra Green heard a shrill, piercing scream from near the shed of her isolated farm. She did not go outside to investigate. So what was the Murfreesboro creature? The authorities admit they don't know. Quote, A lot of things in life are unexplained, police chief Toby Berber said. Quote, and this is another one. We don't know what the creature is, but we do believe what these people saw was real. These are good, honest people, and they are all seeing something. And who would walk through sewage tanks for a joke? End quote. So this has come to be known as a swamp ape. And swamp apes are another cryptid, much like the dog man, that have been spotted throughout the Midwest Mm -hmm. in the United States. But what's interesting is this sighting, this whole, all of these incidents happened the same year as the infield creature or the infield monster was spotted, just a couple months after the infield monster, in fact. And it was hap- it happened in a similar area. So it was in southern Illinois. Both these incidents are southern Illinois in 1973. The fact that that dog, which was not afraid of anything and had been trained to search buildings and track down animals, was afraid to go in that barn and like back down to me is terrifying. Exactly. That's a German shepherd. Like they are not afraid of anything. So let me show you what a swamp ape looks like. Oh, well, that's horrifying. That is so scary. This is literally like a ball of fur with red glowing eyes and teeth. And yeah, I mean, it it looks like a swamp ape. Like it looks like an ape that's like been living in a swamp. Yeah. I don't know how else to it's describe it. It's covered in like grime and slime. Right. Yeah. It looks dirty and gross and smelly. Yeah. Um, and in that sketch that I just showed Natalia, it's brown because like I said, lots of these things have been spotted all over the country. But uh, in this particular incident, it was white. And the infield horror in some accounts is described as scaly, slimy, and green. And in other accounts is described as like kind of mangy and furry and gray. So mm. could it have been, could they be one and the same? Right. Who's to say? Yeah. Not me. Theory number seven, a hoax. No. Or wait, is this theory number? It doesn't matter. Theory number whatever the next one is, a hoax. (laughs) No. This theory says the following. Perhaps McDaniel had seen something that scared him, like a large wolf or dog, but was embarrassed after he called police and then the story blew up. He then felt like he was forced to double down on his story that he saw something otherworldly in order to avoid the embarrassment of being the guy who like called the police on a dog. As for the other witnesses, Greg Garrett, the 10-year-old boy, would later tell a researcher from Western Illinois University that he had lied about seeing the creature and had only done so to, quote, tease and make fun of McDaniel. The men who were arrested for shooting into the forest apparently only 
briefly mentioned that they had seen the creature when they were brought in for questioning by the police. So the police argue that it was simply a feeble attempt of a bunch of drunk dudes to get out of trouble for shooting a gun in a populated area. Mm. So some people say, well, look, Greg Garrett was 10 years old. If he got a call from Western Illinois University and was like, never mind, I was lying. Like, it's not all that unusual for a kid to be like, look, I don't want any part in this. Like, I'm scared. Right. Yeah. No, totally. Also, he was probably like, my name is Greg Garrett. Yeah. And I'm (laughs) I don't have much time to live. So (laughs) please don't let this be my legacy. (laughs) Okay. Last theory. Theory number number whatever was next. I have it down as theory number eight, but I'm thinking I repeated number seven. It's fine. A demon. Oh, no. Now, we're not talking about the type of nice demon that we learned about in right. your episode. That helps you learn a l- new language. Right. And um, is like, you know, like an exchange of services. Right, right. Yeah. We're talking about like the kind that fucks you up and spins its head around backwards and stuff. Totally. <gasps> so was that episode 98? was the one that you did on summoning a demon summoning a demon all you guys have to do is search let's get haunted summoning a demon you can learn all about different theories about what demons are and apparently some of them are really nice and help you do your homework but that's not what we're talking (laughs) about right now we're talking about an evil entity no according to astonishing legends 2021 article on the infield monster quote the southern portion of illinois is known by some as the devil's kitchen This strange name is from Native Americans in an attempt to describe to early settlers the strange sights and sounds that occurred through the area. Anything is possible in Devil's Kitchen, some believe. That's scary. So reading this, I was like, what the fuck? That's like fucking crazy. Like Devil's Kitchen. What? Yeah. So I thought to myself, I need to read more about this Native American lore. And surprisingly, I was unable to find much of anything backing this claim up. The only other source I found that echoed this sentiment is one that was published in 2019 to the Villager's Voice, which is that same infield newsletter um, that had the Mule Days article that was really silly at the beginning. And so I was reading that article and I'm going to read you just like the little portion that talks about um, the Devil's Kitchen. The article states, quote, The vast reaches of forest and open fields of southern Illinois, combined with the sparse population in some areas, seems to invite weirdness that might not occur in cities and more crowded locales. In the most southern portion of the region, the Shawnee National Forest covers miles and miles of territory. The acres of forest seem almost untouched by man, and some believe that strange things occasionally pass through here, unseen by human eyes. The southern portion of the state is sometimes referred to as, quote, the devil's kitchen, mm. a designation left behind by the Native Americans and the early settlers to explain stri- to explain strange sights and sounds like unexplained balls of light, apparitions, <gasps> screams in the night, and various other unsettling types of phenomena. The Native Americans often considered such sites sacred, but the settlers usually believed them to be cursed, Mm. or at least to be avoided. The idea that such locations were linked to the devil was the first thought that crossed the minds of the Bible-reading, God-fearing folks, and they promptly set about to do two things. They learned to avoid these strange and haunted places, and secondly, they gave names to the spots to alert other visitors and settlers of the dangers of the area. In the case of Devil's Kitchen... Just about anything is possible, from ghost reports to mystery animals and weird monster sightings. 
So those are the only two sources I could find about the Devil's Kitchen being a nickname given to it by Native Americans of the area. But as we know, part of some Native American tradition is that you don't talk about your traditions with people who aren't part of your culture. That's true. We learned about that in an episode Natalia did last year with Elliot Morgan in, um, it was a Canadian episode. Yes. It was the Falcon Lake incident episode. No time to explain if you guys want to go listen to that. So that's true. That's a good point. Maybe that's why I can't find anything on it. Um, and there are definitely a lot of landmarks in Southern Illinois that begin with the phrase Devil's Kitchen. Mm. Uh, for example, there's a popular lake in Southern Illinois named Devil's Kitchen Lake. So I was like, okay, maybe if I look up this lake, I can figure out why it was named that and we right. can like work this story backwards. Um, but according to an article published to ChicagoNow.com written by Don Zidzina in 2010, he writes about the lake, quote, Did you know that this lake was built back in the days of President Roosevelt? When the war came, work was stopped, and the facilities there were taken over by homeless people. Back then, they called them hobos. Well, after the war was over, Roosevelt and his wife Eleanor went to southern Illinois for a tour to see how the work was progressing at the lake. The hobos took over one building and used it for their cooking. It was quite a mess. When Eleanor walked into the cook shack, she said, This truly is the devil's kitchen. From that day on, the lake had a new name. So I don't know what's true. (laughs) I don't know if Astonishing Legends claim that the Devil's Kitchen comes from a Native American legend is correct or if Don Zidzina's claim that the Devil's Kitchen comes from Eleanor Roosevelt looking at some hobos at a lake is correct. But I thought I would mention both and listeners can come up to like make up their own minds, come to their own conclusions. I also wonder if like their idea of what a hobo is is just like someone who doesn't have a nine to five, you know? Like, like this person is just like at the lake making a meal for their family right. and it happens to be a little messy and Eleanor Roosevelt's like, oh, my stars. Right. Yeah. Wow. Like maybe this it's, is the devil's kitchen. Maybe it's just someone over 30 who's like not married and has children or something. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, this and is a hobo. It's like know? we would con- like in Salem witch trial days, right. it would be a witch. But exactly. because this happened during wartime, it was a hobo. Yeah. Yeah. Just someone who's not like fitting the societal norm at the time. Totally. But it did. So this theory may or may not be bullshit about the devil's kitchen, but it got me thinking, like, obviously, we know that Native American, different Native American tribes populated southern Illinois. Mm -hmm. There's even a preservation um, called the Shawnee National Forest and the Shawnee are a pretty famous Mm -hmm. Native American tribe in American culture. So I was like, all right, well, let's see if there really are. Maybe I can, like, go about this a different way and try to read up on different mythology in the area and see if there's some creature. So I did find that according to fs.usda.gov, quite a few um, Native American tribes have populated or were recorded as living in different times throughout history in Southern Illinois, including in the area of Enfield. And some of the tribes that lived in this area uh, included the Delaware, the Shawnee, the Potawatomi, which people may remember from... um, I had a Wisconsin episode, Beast of Bray Road right. and Ghosts of Lake Geneva. The Potawatomi lived um, at Lake Geneva. And so there's a lot of lore around that lake. Then there's Miami, the Miami, the Eel River, the Wea, the Kickapoos, and the Piankasha. In looking up each of these tribes individually, I found two Native American legends from the area that may align with the infield monster. So I'm going to tell you about them and then I want to hear what you think, Natalia. Yeah. The first one comes from the Shawnee, and it's called 
the Yakwawi. And the Yakwawi is described as a giant hairless bear monster that eats humans. No. While skeptics associate this creature with ancient mammoths or mastodons, believers state that the Yakwawi is its own unique cryptid. One version of the tale of the Yakwawi is preserved on nativeamericanembassy.net and reads as follows, quote, It was long, long ago in the most ancient times when the creator used to appear and talk with our wise men and counsel with our people. At that time, our people understood the ways of the forest, and the creator was pleased and very close to his children. It was at that time long ago that there were mighty beasts that walked the forests, valleys, and plains upon our mother earth. Many of these are found no more. Yakwawi was one such beast, placed upon the earth to be useful to man. But the great monstrous beast was fierce, powerful, and invincible. Its hide was so strong and so thick that the sharpest spears and arrows could hardly penetrate it. This terrible creature made war against all other animals that lived in the woods and on the plains. Other animals that the creator put here to be used as meat for the people. Then one day a great battle was fought in which all of the animals joined together against the Yakwawiak. The creators told the people that they were also to take part in this fight and if necessary they should kill the Yakwawiak. Our old ones have told us that the legendary great bear also came to help and that he was very seriously wounded in this battle, which is said to have taken place in the Ohio River Valley west of the Allegheny Mountains. During the battle, the creator came and sat upon a flat rock on top of the Allegheny Mountains to watch. Great numbers of the giant Yakwawiak came and still greater numbers of the other animals. The battle was fierce and the slaughter was terrible. The Yakwawiak were gaining victory and the Ohio River Valley ran thick with the blood of the fighting animals. But slowly, the battlefield turned into a great quagmire, and many of the Yakwawiak, because of the great weight, because of their great weight, sank into the mire and drowned. This is why the land now called Kentucky was called the Dark and Bloody Ground, because of all the blood that was spilled there. It became a common hunting ground for the various tribes, as no one would set up a village there, being greatly afraid of the ghosts of those slain giant Yakwawiak. Now the creator became angry with the Yakwawi, and from the top of the high mountains he hurled bolts of lightning at them until all of them were destroyed except for one very large bull. This bull cast aside the lightning bolts with his tusks and defied everything in his path, killing many of the other animals in his rage, until at last he was badly wounded. So he turned and fled, bellowing as he crossed the Ohio River. He ran along the mighty Name Sipu, the Mississippi River. Then he turned and swam the great blue lakes, and he was groaning with pain as he disappeared into the far reaches of the Northland, where it is said his evil spirit lives on to this very day. So that is a preserved retelling of this legend. So what do you think of that, Natalia? I mean, first of all, I believe it. Second of all, I found it very interesting. Like God is just like watching all of these animals that they that he created and just like letting them fight each other. And then the Yakwawiak like weren't dying. So he's like, okay, like I'm just gonna speed this up and like just starts throwing lightning bolts at them. But then there's one that's just like too strong and like gets away and you just see it like limping away, like just exactly. into the darkness. And then they're like, no, 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 that, that he died. And like, 
is was upset about his death so there's a ghost of the Yakwawiak so we and don't it, go over there right and it also kind of leaves it open because it's like did he die or did he did continue he? to live and maybe found right. another Yakwawi and repopulated I mean who right. knows who yeah. knows and I believe and correct me if I'm wrong if anyone knows the answer to this I believe Yakwawi is singular and Yakwawiak is plural okay I think so some people think, okay, could the infield monster or and these swamp be apes, one of the Yakwawiak? Yeah, could it? Could it be? I mean, who's to say? First yeah. of all, and most importantly, who's to say? <laughs> right. But it could be. And then the last legend um, that I could find. What about people who live in Kentucky? Like, what? yeah. Well, and it's that whole like Midwestern area right. that this is associated with. Like it says at the end, like they could see him sprinting past the Great Lakes, mm-hmm. so like the Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, Illinois area, and yeah. like fading into the distance. Um, the last one we've talked about before on this show, the Wendigo. Yes, I actually was thinking of that the entire, like, as soon as I saw that Instagram live, that's what I thought it was. I was like, oh, that's a Wendigo for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so for people who don't know, and we did talk about this briefly in our episode about cannibals in national forests, we're not going to go super in depth because we're probably going to do a separate episode entirely on these creatures. But the TLDR is a Wendigo is an evil man-eating spirit of Potawatomi and Anishinaabe legends. Wendigos play the role of monsters and boogeymen in some legends. In others, the Potawatomi people who commit sins, especially selfishness, gluttony, or cannibalism, are turned into the Wendigo as published. And according to um, this website that I found, which is native-languages.org, they say that it's actually pronounced Wien Dego. Wien Dego. Not Wendango? No. Because <laughs> that's what I've been calling it. <laughs> Wendigo. Apparently. That's what this website says. Don't they also shapeshift? Yes. They yeah. can. In some variations of the legend, they shapeshift. Um, yeah. I heard it was like, it's like a sorcerer. Like it's like an angry thing that like can shapeshift. And you're also not supposed to like look at it in the eyes because it can, you can like turn into one or something. I know that there's skinwalkers, right? And those are different oh, than, than Wendigo. But that this is just what I found on a Native American website. It just had a little blurb. Um, it's a website that attempts to preserve Native American legends. So I don't know. Could have been a, a Wendigo. Could be. I mean, that's just, yeah, that's it's terrifying. I don't care what it is. I don't want it fucking near me. And I'm good. Like, I don't even need to know what it is. Just don't just come stay the fuck me. away yeah. from me. Okay, so I'm going to read my sources for this episode. And then I want to hear your favorite theory and closing Okay. Thoughts. Sources for this episode are, of course, everything I read in this episode. I try my best to, to cite the source while I'm reading the source. But in case I missed anything, Wikipedia... A Field Guide to Illinois Fantastic Beasts by Christopher Borelli for the Chicago Tribune. A Critical Examination of the Social Contagion Image of Collective Behavior, The Case of the Infield Monster, published to the Sociological Quarterly and written by David L. Miller, Kenneth J. Meadis, and Richard A. Mathers. A Report and Short Story on Devil's Kitchen, published to ChicagoNow.com. Native-languages.org forward slash Shawnee-legends.html NativeAmericanEmbassy.net Newspapers.com TheVillagersVoice.com forward slash the-infield-horror 
and Full Story of the Monster at Enfield by Bob Gimlin, a video published to YouTube. Natalia, that is the story of the Enfield horror. Yeah, it's freaking me out. I mean, yeah. What are your what my, are your final thoughts? My final thoughts are that I think it's like whatever it is is real. That Instagram video is absolutely terrifying. Um, I don't know if that video is like real or not. However, it looks real to me. I don't know. It it's looks scary. real. I'm choosing to believe it's real just because it's so fucking scary. Yeah, it is so scary. And this just really makes me not want to be in nature. You know, I've been we've been talking about moving to Atlanta. And at first I was like, oh, yeah, really cool. Like four seasons. There's trees and stuff. And now I'm like, fuck those seasons. Fuck, <laughs> fuck those the dog, trees. man. Yeah. Also, there was part of this story where they were like, oh, it was waist deep grass. So and, and I was like, staring. no, don't have waist deep grass anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> mow that shit. Yeah. Tame the land. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I don't want to like not know what's hiding in there. So scary. Super scary. Over it. So you think in conclusion that it's a dog man or do you think it's a I think it's something super, ago, no or? I think it's something supernatural just if I was gonna base it off of that Instagram video that I saw that is not no, that is not any that's like a spirit that's like a wed to go or whatever he says like that is like a Native American spirit that is not to be fucked with um however I do think perhaps the 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 thing from the beginning of this story that we were talking about like that uh thing that the guy was shooting at could be something different than what that guy saw out of his his instagram live i don't know point is i'm scared now and i don't like nature and i already was like against it before and now i'm super against it well natalia thank you for coming on this supremely haunted journey with me uh, would you like to do our sign off? Sure. Um, BRB on my way to cut down every tree, bush, mow every grass, just concrete on top of everything. Yeah, concrete on concrete. Right. Um, and so I can just, you know, have a good night's sleep. Bye. Bye.